language and they would call it radical. Um, but they wouldn't altogether be wrong. You know, when the Lord comes in and saves you to the uttermost, we're not just a little bit saved. We're not just a little bit changed and we're not just a little bit different. The change that takes place in us is radical. And uh, so, you know, matter of fact, whenever they saw him in Antioch and saw those people that uh, whose lives had been changed by Christ, they said, you know, they act just like Jesus. The little Christ, just a little Christ running around everywhere. They called them, called them Christians first at Antioch. And they said so, mocking them as if it were some bad thing or as if it were some sort of uh, slight against them. That they were just acting like Jesus. Little, little Christ. Little Christians. Little miniature versions of Christ trying to run about and act like Jesus. Well, I can't think of a thing in the world I'd rather do to spend my life trying to be like Jesus. And uh, I praise the Lord for that. And it is radical, the change the Lord will make in your life. Saved to the uttermost. And on top of that, what I'll tell you something else that's radical about it, I know that I am. Amen. I'm not hoping for it, anticipating and wishing, but I know that I am. And that's, that's radical. And I'm glad the Lord radically changed my life and saved me to the uttermost. I want us to read this morning in the book of Hebrews in chapter 13, if you'll turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13. Now, Brother T.J. preached, I guess it was a couple of Sunday nights ago, or uh, maybe last Sunday night on No Times had a way of getting away with me. Seems like it's been seven years since the fall to me. And, uh, I mean, really, this is the longest winter I've ever had in my life. And uh, usually the summertime goes by so fast, and my whole life seems to go by so fast. The last few months has been slow. Uh, Ever since that uh, 10 inches, 12 inches of snow bucketed out on us, ever since then, seems like time has come to a standstill. I'm an 8-year-old again, and life just won't go by. And all I'm looking for is a day like today, and I praise God. I mean, I'm looking out of here and seeing sunshine and sobriety. I had to go get some Tylenol all out of the car is hurt my eyes and reflecting in out of the uh, outside and yesterday it was 60 degrees and uh, that's wonderful and I praise the Lord for that I mean I believe when we get to heaven it'll never see freezing again and uh, it'll be wonderful and I praise the Lord and today the weather beautiful but uh, I time's been lost on me so I don't know if it's last Sunday night a couple of Sunday nights ago uh, three Sunday nights something like that brother TJ preached out of chapter 12 and uh, looking at some of those verses, and I began reading through as he had finished his message. I began reading them through chapter 13, and looking into the end of this chapter. And uh, as I did, the Lord began to deal with my heart about what I want to preach about this eve or this morning. And if you'll turn with us in chapter 13 and look down in verse number 15, we'll read it just four verses there in your hearing, and we'll stay in this passage of scripture in our text this morning as we preach the word. Of the Lord. If you found your place, I'd invite you to stand with us and we'll reverence the word of the Lord from Hebrews chapter 13 and in verse number 15. The word of God says, By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name, but to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they, as they that must give an account. For they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we trust that we have a good conscience in all things willing To live honestly. You can be seated this morning. Thank you for standing with us while I read the word of the Lord. Some of you have looked through these verses and wonder how in the world is Brother Toby going to preach the whole message out of these four verses. Chapter 13 of Hebrews. Matter of fact, the whole book of Hebrews. Remarkable. Chapter 13 of Hebrews is part of the book that like a lot of these uh, chapters, a lot of these final chapters of epistles, 
kind of are often ignored and not the subject of our preaching. In this chapter, in chapter 13, verses 5, verses 8, verses 15, and verses 20 and 21 really draw our attention pretty regularly. You know those verses like verse 5 where He said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. And verse 8 where He said, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. These are familiar verses. Even verse 15 dealing with the fruit of our lips giving praise unto His name or thanks unto His name. Verse 20 and 21, we talked about the God of peace and I'd make us perfect never good work to do His will working in you that which is well pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. These verses are relatively familiar but most of the verses that I have read here this morning are not verses where people really park and dig into and study and read and and stew and meditate. I preached a few Wednesday nights ago as we were preaching through our Wednesday evening series on how-tos. And oftentimes we talk about what to do, but not how to do. And we talked about how to read our Bibles. And one of the things that I mentioned was that in reading the Bible, there are no extra points given for speed reading. Just because you've absorbed or gone blown through a lot of chapters didn't give you a attaboy button. There'll be no trophies given away. There are no prizes to pull out of the chat. A cracker back, a cracker jack's box because that you have read more verses maybe than someone else. So slow down. Take time not only to read the Word of God, but to read the words of God. And this morning in these verses, I want us to look at some words and as the Word of God that is found. There are treasures for us to see in these four verses of our text today. And I want to view them in light of a phrase that closes verse number 16. In the close of verse number 16, the Bible says, For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. I don't know where you live today or what you want out of life, but I'm interested in what pleases God. I'm interested in what God approves of. I'm interested in what God is satisfied with. I'm interested in a sacrifice that pleases God. By the way, man has been in search of a sacrifice that pleases God as long as there have been human beings on planet Earth. The first man and woman that ever lived had boys by the name of Cain and Abel. And both of them brought sacrifices before the Lord. And with one, God was well pleased. But with the other, God was not well pleased. And He refused the offering of Cain. And He received the offering of Abel. It's been a problem since the beginning. God refused the offering of Cain because sin lied at the door. And the people of Israel brought a multitude of burnt offerings to the Lord in the days of Isaiah, only to have God say, away with them. In Isaiah chapter one. He said your hands are polluted and they couldn't be the hands of offering and worship. He said you'll open them up in prayer but I'm not here. He said you'll offer burnt offerings until the blood of the rams runs like a river and yet I will not listen unto your prayer. Their sacrifices did not please the Lord. In Amos chapter 5 and verse 21 the Lord said I hate, I despise your feast days and I will not smell in your solemn assemblies. Though you offer to me burnt offerings and your meat offerings, I will not accept them, neither will I regard the peace offerings of your fat beasts. Yet, though for all of the history of humankind, man has been looking for a sacrifice that pleases God, and he never was able to find any that would satisfy God except the Lord Jesus Christ. But the day when the John was baptizing in the river Jordan one day. He looked up across the Judean hillside and saw Jesus come walking his way. And he said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And when John baptized him, the Father spoke out of heaven as the Holy Spirit descended like a dove upon his side and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well Jesus pleased the Father. Isaiah 53 said it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief. And yet, Brother Thomas, we learn in our own lives 
even as children of God, that the Lord God of heaven is pleased with Jesus, but He's not always pleased with you and with me. He's not always pleased with the way we live. He's not always pleased with how we do things. He's not always pleased with our mindset. He's not always pleased with how we have church. And yet in the book of Hebrews, God speaks, and not to sinners, but to church people. He speaks unto us who know the Lord. And He tells us about some sacrifices that please the Lord. And so I want to know what they are. And I want to know how to give them. I want to know how to be that one that brings an offering that pleases God. That gives a sacrifice that pleases God. That lives a life that pleases God. That does the things that pleases God. And so we're talking this morning about the sacrifices that please God. In our passage we learn that there is a way to please God in these things. This morning I want you to know that God is pleased. In our verses, He is pleased with the sacrifice of praise. And the verse number 15 tells us all about it. This is the sacrifice of thanksgiving. By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips. Giving thanks unto His name. This is a sacrifice that pleases God. When we praise the Lord. Matter of fact, the psalmist said it this way in Psalm 69 and 30. He said, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify Him with thanksgiving. He said, this also shall please the Lord better than an ox or a bullock that hath horns and hooves. God is is pleased when His people honor Him and praise Him and lift up His name. The Lord is pleased with what we do at the house of God when we worship Him, when we give Him glory. My friend, if you want to please God, you can do it with a thankful heart, with a voice of praise, with lips that utter His glory, with a song that magnifies His name. this morning we ought not to come in with the mully grubs and my friend looking like our best friend has left us and our mother-in-law moved in. Amen. God have a mercy. And my friend, we have so many. Listen, one bold preacher back when I was a boy used to say if you are saved, you need to notify your face. Amen. And not always have a frown or a long face or a sad song. But I praise the Lord we can sing the songs of joy. We can sing the songs of praise because He is worthy of that. And He's pleased with it this morning. When we sing, I'd rather be an old-time Christian than anything I know. The Lord is pleased with that. When we sing, what a friend we have in Jesus. The Lord is pleased with that. When we sing, I'm saved to the uttermost. And I know that I am. The Lord is pleased with that. I Somebody said, I don't much like it. Well, the Lord likes it. When somebody raises their hand and says, Praise the Lord. Matter of fact, He told us to do it. To lift up holy hands in the sanctuary. To praise Him with a voice of thanksgiving. Oh, my friend, the Lord is pleased with it. How when we praise Him, when we offer Him, have the sacrifice of praise. Oh, when I was a child growing up in church, when I was a boy growing up around the house of God, it seemed like that's what church was about. People praising God. It seemed like people came to church to go to church. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, what a remarkable concept. And now folks come to church to have a coffee shop. They come to church to get soothed in their conscience. They come to church to hear a motivational speaker. They come to church for the band that plays exactly the same music that the band played that they listened to on Friday night down at the beer joint and the honky-tonk. God have mercy on us. But when I was a kid, folks come to church. They came to church to go to church. Wouldn't it be good at 10, 15? 
Amen. Oh, if we praise God, this verse this morning tells us when we praise God, it's an offering. He said in verse number 1, He said by Him there, or verse number 15, by Him therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise. Let us offer. You see, praise is not praise if it must be coerced or forced. It will not be acceptable if it must be drug out of you. I know all of us have to die one day. But I pray to God that I don't get drugged to death. Amen. And may the Lord help us this morning not to have to have praise drug out of us. Hey, friend, I don't do it. I don't say it. I never get up here and say, everybody glad to be here. Say amen. Everybody glad to know us. Know the Lord. Say amen. Everybody glad to say, say praise God. Everybody that ever was glad you had a mom and a daddy raise your hand. I mean, I don't do it. Listen, I'm not criticizing these fellows that do stuff like that. Sunday morning we had a new visitor never been church in his whole life I was glad to see him here I never did even get to meet the young man he left immediately after the service I think it was Jake's fault Jake went back there to receive the offering Jake was being nice and kind and friendly like I encourage these young men to do you see somebody that's never been to church before be sure to shake their hand tell them you're glad they're here I try to be a friend to him try to be a blessing he's taking hands and he's going back receiving offering he got back to where that boy was and he put his hand out like this. That boy looked at that hand and he looked at Jake and he looked at that hand and he looked up front at me and he looked at Jake's hand and he reached back in his wallet he opened it up, pulled out a dollar, put it in the plate and then Jake just still stood there with his hand out. Finally that boy shook Jake's hand he thought Jake wouldn't leave until he put a dollar in his hand. All he was wanting to do was shake his hand I'm going to tell you my friend when it comes to worshiping God, we're going to treat worship like we do the offering you don't have to volunteer. Nobody's going to come twist your arm. Nobody's going to say, you get up now and testify. You get up now and praise God. You get up now and wave your hands toward heaven. I tell you, my friend, listen, I'm not opposed to it. I'm not opposed. Please don't think I'm being critical. But I'm not one of these that's going to do this thing. Everybody stand up, raise your hands, and we all go praise the Lord. I'm for it, but I'm going to tell you, I'll not to have to tell you. Everybody stand up and raise your hands and praise the Lord. That's what we came here for. We came to church to go to church. Amen. It's an offering. Free will. Oh, yes. God's pleased with our sacrifice of praise when it is an offering. He's pleased with our sacrifice of praise when we do it often. Often. Amen. It ought not to be a rare thing that we praise the Lord. But He said by Him, therefore, sacrifice of praise to God continually. Often praise ought to be ordinary, not occasional. It ought to be often, not once in a while. And may the Lord help us again come to church to go to church. An offering, it's often praise that sacrifice of praise that honors God. Or that the Lord is pleased with is a, a sacrifice that is open. The Bible 
said it is a sacrifice and praise to God continually. Verse 15, that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks in His name. The fruit is not hidden. The fruit is not beneath the surface. The trees do not bear fruit under the ground. They bear fruit out on the limbs for everybody to see. By the way, you know how you have a dead giveaway? I'm talking about a dead giveaway. That an apple tree is an apple tree. If you find apples hanging on it, amen. That's how you know a cherry tree is a cherry tree. That's how you know an orange tree is an orange tree. And there ain't no watermelon trees. But I tell you, you're a fine tree of watermelons hanging on it. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's a watermelon tree. And there's not any, but if you ever find one, you mark her down, it's a watermelon tree. Because watermelons don't grow on cherry trees. But I'm going to tell you, none of these trees, their fruit is not hidden. It is open. It is outward. And when we praise the Lord, it is the fruit of our lips. Giving praise unto His name. And God has done something in us. And it has produced fruit in of us. And our praise is to be to the Lord. And someone said, I'm praising Him in my heart. If you are, that's wonderful. Go ahead and open your mouth. when it's often, when it's open, when it is outspoken. He said it's the fruit of our lips. It's the fruit of our lips. I say something. Amen. It's good to praise God in your heart, but God is pleased when you praise Him outwardly with your lips. You ought to sing outwardly. Not just, wouldn't it be something if everybody got here this morning and we sang, by the way, you can sing, the Bible does tell us to do this. That's singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. Is that not what he said in the book of Ephesians? Matter of fact, a spirit-filled man sings in his heart. Y'all know that? I be not draw wine where it is excess, be you filled with the Holy Spirit. Up God, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. If you're a spirit-filled man, how you sing in your heart? But wouldn't it be something this morning if we got together, everybody here, I don't know how many here. How them boys didn't know how to count anyway. That's why I hadn't been trusting the number they put up there on the attendance. It says 55, but I think it said 55 the last seven weeks, and there's no way we've had exactly the same number here. Hadn't it said 62 last week and said 62 last week now? And so I don't think they're counting. But however many we got this morning, wouldn't it be something if all of us got here this morning, everybody, and we all said, I tell you what, Today sure would be a good day to sing in my heart. I'm Sister Jane and I'm Sister Tanya and Brother David and these other musicians. They said that today would be a good day to play those instruments in our heart. And so they just sit right back there. And Brother John said today would be a good day to announce the number in my heart. And so he sits right here. And in his heart he says, page 46, I'd rather be an old time Christian, but he never gets up and says a word outwardly. And over here, Sister Jane says, I'll play in my heart, but I don't know what number it is, because that's in John's heart. And so I'll sit back in my pew over here, and I'll play it in my heart. And, but she never gets the piano. And by the way, the rest of you sitting out there wondering what in the world we're going to do. But somebody said on his pew, he said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to sing in my heart. And everybody just sits in absolute total silence. And nobody sings, and nobody announces the number. And nobody plays. You know how long it takes? It takes about five after, maybe ten after, and somebody be standing up and saying, Are we going to start church or not? I mean, somebody needs to get Brother, tell me what's wrong with you. Looks like you get this thing on the road. Let's get this thing started. You know why? Because it ain't church. When all that anybody's doing is having it only in their heart. And when we have church, here's when that which is in us is produced out of us. And our takes a journey from our heart to our lips and our hands and we worship God outwardly. That's when we worship God and give Him a sacrifice that is 
pleased with him. Amen. I'm going to preach the sermon in my heart this morning. Y'all don't know I've done some good preaching, but if you can see what is in my heart, you know it's good preaching. But if it doesn't come out here, how's it going to help you for me to preach a sermon in my heart? Somebody said, but God looks on the heart. He does. Man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. God can see your heart, but nobody else can. And by the way, God can hear your lips too. The Lord hears your voice. Just because He sees your heart doesn't mean the rest of you is hidden from Him. He knows about all of it. And He's encouraged us to come to the house of God. Continually give Him praise from our lips. Give Him thanks and to do it open. Amen. Outspoken. And then I want to say our praise, our sacrifice, praise that pleases God is an offering. It's often, it's open, it's outspoken. And it is only for Him. Look at the end of verse 15. The fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name. Amen. We don't come to praise the preacher or the church or the Baptist or the members or ourselves, but we give praise and thanks to His name. We praise Him and Him alone. And that's the sacrifice God will be pleased with. The sacrifice of praise. Alright, we've made it through. Verse number 15. Look at verse number 16 now. I'm going to preach like Mike Bagwell this morning. Look at your Bible. Amen. Only I don't know any Greek, so y'all just have to skip that part of it. But this morning, sacrifices that please God. Verse number 16 tells us, not only does praise please Him, but the sacrifice of preaching pleases Him. Verse number 16 says, but to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. When you get together and you praise Him and you sing about it and the fruit of your lips comes forward and you give thanks to His name, don't forget to communicate about doing good. Don't forget about stopping and let somebody take a Bible, open it up and preach a hat off of us and remind us how we ought to live how we ought to do what we ought to do and what really pleases the Lord. Amen. Praise God for Sunday school time. I enjoyed the Sunday school lesson this morning. I enjoyed Sunday school every week. I think we got the best Sunday school in the state of Georgia and I'm not ever ashamed to tell that. I tell it often where I go. I appreciate the singing. We got one of the finest choirs in this whole area here at this church. I have people all the time asking me to bring our choir to their revival and it will limit how many times that I agree to do that. I limit how many of those times. I have people that call me up and say, we want your choir to come and sing a revival for us. No, yeah, if you want to preach, you can preach too. How many times they just get me to come preach just so they can have our choir and come and sing for them. We've got one of the finest choirs anywhere around. I love the singing. But I'm going to tell you right now, it's preaching time. There comes a time when we must not forget to communicate, to do good, to hear the preaching of the Word of God. Amen. We need some old fashion preaching. Amen. This past week, I had a man who I preached two revivals for. He scoured me in, a, in, a, in somewhat of an involved conversation about old-time religion and man mocking me and making fun of me. I mean, a man I preached two revivals for. That mocking me about old-time religion. But I'm going to tell you, I am unashamed to be labeled and involved with old-time religion. Amen. I'm not ashamed to be an old-time Christian. I'm not ashamed to be an old-time preacher. I'm not ashamed of what I preach, where I preach, of my friend or how that I preach. I didn't choose this. I didn't pick this. But I wouldn't give it away from million dollars. Amen. The Lord graciously gave it to me. And I would not change it for anything. And when it comes to time to communicate doing good, that's preaching time. And God said, don't forget about it. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. 
Hallelujah. And he said, this is what pleases God. This such sacrifices, by the way, don't you like that? Such sacrifices. In other words, these and others like it. That's the kind God's pleased with. <laughs> Somebody said, well, you know, they're saying the same thing, but it ain't our kind. <laughs> but yet the Lord said, these sacrifices, such sacrifices, have these and ones like it. A lot of stuff just ain't like it. That's right. The message of the gospel is pleasing to the Lord. This is speaking to please God. <laughs> It's remarkable that the Lord told us not to forget to communicate. Some in our age have forgotten about preaching, but the preaching of the Word of God still pleases the Lord. 1 Corinthians told me about that in 1 Corinthians 1 and 18. For the preaching of the cross gives to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. I'll bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? After that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. Yet please God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. While others mock that old time preacher, how God sits in heaven and nods his head in approval. And he's well pleased with preaching time. Amen. That's exactly right. Yes, sir. Sacrifices that please God, praise and that preaching. And I want to say a sacrifice please God, verse number 17. Verse number 17, there's a sacrifice of a pattern. Or if you will, an order. There is a order of authority, an order of society, an order of rule that takes place in chapter 13 and verse 17. He shows us God's order and He's pleased with the submission to the established authority. Verse 17, Obey them that have the rule over you. And submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. Had a man this week and saw, and I've seen a lot of, uh, this has seemed like been a lot of week for a lot of revivals, had to start getting organized and pastors to make some phone calls. And I had a man send me a uh, send me a uh, flyer in a group text, and they said that their meeting would be such and such time, and so and so would be a preacher. And it was a person I don't even know. I don't know if he's a good good man, good preacher, not a good preacher. I don't know him. Yeah. But somebody in the group text said, "Oh, so and so's coming." Yeah. I said he preaches pastoral authority. Yeah. Said he's a pastoral. The phrase he said yeah. he's a pastoral authority preacher. Yeah. And you know what my first reaction to that was? Yeah. Why my son? Sounds like a Bible preacher, don't it? We wouldn't want one of them now, would we? God, have mercy. Obey them that have the rule over you. I'm not talking about dictatorship and meanness. I'm not talking about lordship. I'm not saying, hey, I was not ashamed to be up in the attic on Friday with blue glue. Up to my elbows and placing broken water lines. It's one of the things I know a little bit of how to do. I was glad to do it. I'm not too good to do it. I was thankful to do it. I'm not talking about lordship. I'm not talking about the preacher being some sort of king. I'm just talking about God's established order of authority. And He has one in society, in the church, in our families. And we get back to the place where people don't have hard heads and stiff necks. And folks will yield to the way God has ordered things to be. Then God will be again. Amen. Amen. I've always believed in servant leadership. If anybody needs to do something here and nobody else can, if I don't even know how, I'll figure it out and be the one that will volunteer. I have never been above cutting the grass or digging a ditch or putting a hole in the ground. I'm, I'm glad to be the first one to do it. Matter of fact, I'm grateful God giving me, at least to this point in my life, a strong back. I'm to be able to do those things. Maybe a weak mind sometimes, but a strong back. And someday I may have a weak back. I don't need some young men together around me that'll have a willing mind and a strong back and be willing to do those things. Oh, so listen to me, friend. I believe in servant leadership, but I do still believe in leadership. Amen. 
That's exactly right. Hallelujah. I've got some dear preacher friends of mine that have taken churches recently and they're having to do things like every month submit a, submit a report to the committee on how many miles they drove and how many visits they made and how many tracts that they gave up and how many sick folks they went to see at the hospital and how many times they prayed and how many office visits or office hours that they maintained at the church, how many chapters that they read in the Bible, how many sermon outlines that they put together. Listen to me. God's man does not report to a committee. He reports to the Lord. And ultimately we are subject one to another. And I'm certainly no bigger than the congregation. I'm the least of the least of the truth be known. But God's pulpit matters. And God's order matters. Amen. And if we'll be where God wants us to be, we'll get in line with God's perfect pattern. And God's order and God will bless. That's exactly right. I'm scared of them preachers that tells people when what car to buy and all that kind of stuff and when to replace the dishwasher and that sort of thing. I, I don't even hardly make like, an, like making those decisions at my own house. I sure don't want to try to make them at your house. I mean, you want to buy a car, go buy a car. You want to ask my opinion, ask my opinion. And I'll be glad to listen to you. Most likely I'm going to tell you to do whatever you want to do. If you've got money, go buy the car. And if you don't got money, don't go buy the car. I mean, it's none of my business if you want to drive a Chevrolet or a Ford or a Dodge or a Mitsubishi. That doesn't make any difference to me. You want to ride a mule. Amen. It's all right with me. I figure that's your business. I don't understand that stuff. I want to run everybody's lives. But when it comes to leading the church, God's man is God's man. Amen. Thankfully, we've never had any problems out around here. But that one reason why I keep preaching, just to make sure we don't. Amen. That's exactly right. As long as what you keep, I'm making sure that every once in a while you sharpen up on things. Hey, you don't ever have no trouble with that. I tell you, I appreciate it. You know what kind of men we got right here, Brother John? We got the kind that'll show up and hold the ladder for you. We got the kind that'll make the run to Home Depot and come back. And my friend with pipe fittings and glue. And my friend, him Insulation and pizza. Amen. That's exactly right. I say hallelujah. I for support for people that loves one another. For the kind that'll stay late at night, come early in the morning. I move fans and dehumidifiers and move chairs and sweep and mop and say, Is anything else I can do? I say, God is pleased with that friend. That pattern, that pattern. There's a pattern of careful, caring, considered, and continual order that God has put into place for His people. God has a governmental order. God, help us how badly we need in our society to get in on it. Amen. Our world's in a mess. Yes. And it's in a mess with an, with an anarchy that's taking place. With people that have rebelled against everything that's ever been decent. And everything that's ever had in order to it. Our young people are growing up with a disdain for the policeman. And a disdain for the school teacher. And a disdain for any sort of authority. However, God has a governmental order. And we are to obey them that have the rule over you. How we are to respect the police and the military and those who rule in the society. And my friend, God has an order for us to follow. God has a societal order. We are to respect the teacher. Y'all young people listening? I told my wife last night, we was riding down the road talking about school and so forth, how grateful we were for things and how grateful we were for some that had invested in the lives of our children. And there's one particular place where that in my whole life, in my entire life, I'm 42 years old, Brother John, in my entire life I've never complained at a place of business. I've never asked to speak to a manager and complain and chew them out. In my whole life I have never, I've gone home much times that I'm not going back to a business there, but I've never been able to Complained to the manager at a place of business. I've never done that at school. At one time in my whole life, have I ever gone to a school or a business? I went straight to the top. It was a church school. I went right to the pastor who was a long-term friend of mine. I said, I'd like to be able to meet with you. I've been told for you a little while. When it'd be a good time, I let him set the appointment. Whenever was best for him, I took off of work. When it was not convenient for me, I sat in his office. I went to pray before we ever spoke and then told him what I was concerned about and more than anything was worried for his well 
and the church. I've never gone to a pastor or a preacher and said, I believe this your church is messed up. Or even if I was a member that our church is messed up. I've tried to pray and let God handle those things. Had God give a lesson, I wouldn't have gone to that man. Had it not been that I cared and was concerned. Had it didn't show him out to him, but I left with tears in my eyes. And we prayed together and I told him that I loved him. And we're still friends to this day in the things I told him. I was concerned about happened exactly the way I was concerned about it. And I wouldn't have gone. I'd have been wrong instead of right. And it'd been a lot better for me and for him. Oh, but hear me, friend. If you've got a gripe or a complaint or a fuss all the time about everybody and anybody that's in authority in your life, you've got a rebellion problem. And rebellion is as unto the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness like unto idolatry. And there's some people, the reason you can't get along with the school teacher and you can't get along with the employer and you can't get along with your elders is because you're a rebel. And you need to get right with God. And as long as you've got that stiff neck and that hard head, God is not going to be pleased with the way you live your life. And hard heads will make sore places. And I'm trying not to get in a run for this morning. What I need to, I'm trying to preach on pleasing God this morning. God has an established household order. Did you know there's an order for the family? And my friend, the husband is subject to God. The wife is subject to her husband. And the children are to obey their parents and the Lord for this is right. That's Ephesians 5 and 6 in a nutshell. And my friend, God has an established church order. Pastors must submit themselves to the great shepherd. Parishioners must submit themselves to the under shepherd. And we all make ourselves subject one to another. Pray sincerely for church leadership. And they are under attack. And if they're serving the Lord, they're battling for the welfare of your souls. And they love you and want what God wants in your life. Amen. That's right. Societal order. There's a pattern. There's a sacrifice that is a pattern God is pleased with. A praise and a preaching and a pattern. And they don't want to say there's a sacrifice of prayer in verse 18 that God is pleased with. Verse 18, pray for us. By the way, that'd be a great big old verse, just those four, three words. Pray for us. I wonder this morning, do you? If you don't, I'm begging you to say, would you please? I need it. I mean, I need it desperately. I need you to pray for me. Every week, without fail, every week, Brother Mitchell comes to me and says, is there anything you need? But Mitchell, I've got to apologize to you because most weeks I give you the wrong answer. And I, most of the time, every once in a while, I'll say that there's something going on that need to help with. And you always do it. I want to thank you for that. But the other weeks, I usually say, no, no, we're blessed. Everything's good. I don't need anything at all. But I want you to listen. If I give you that answer from now on, you know that I'm just trying to be nice. There's one thing I always need when I don't need nothing else. Would you please pray for me? Amen. Pray for us. Pray for my family. Pray for my wife and my children. God. God, help us to pray one for another and to love one another and to lift one another up. Did you know God is well pleased with this? <laughs> oh, friend, you don't know how many times I have been many, many miles from home at the late hours and tired and sometimes get done on the way home and trembling and wore out and figure, well, and listen, I never go sleep driving, never do. But I don't know how many times I load up in the car somewhere another four or five hours from the house and it's 11 o'clock at night already and I'm on my way home and I think, well, I never go to sleep driving, but tonight's liable to be the night. How'd I get on down? the road 85 miles an hour headed on the way towards the house nobody else seemed like to me and the Lord and the truckers and the trucks <laughs> oh and listen I get on down the road a little ways and I suddenly just discover I made my way all the way home and no problems no issues I'm not fool enough to think tonight that that's me oh I want to thank you for the prayers you pray hallelujah for the times you lift up my name for the days that you call my name before the Lord. Would you please this morning pray for me? Amen. Oh Lord, help us. 
Would you pray for my children? Yeah. Would you pray for all three of my girls? Listen, I'm thankful that Gracie saved. I'm grateful for that. But don't stop praying for her just because she's saved and just because she's 18 years old. Please pray for her. Amen. That's exactly right. Pray for little Kaylin that the Lord had opened her heart and draw her near to an altar to be saved. And to my friend, give her the joy of the Lord down in her heart. Pray for little Julia that God had birthed her in the family of God. I assure you that I'm praying for your children. Pray for us, please. Amen. Amen. That's exactly right. Pray for us. And this verse is written from the point of view of the preacher man. He says, pray for us. He says, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things. Willing to live honestly. Pray for us. Cast these words around with so, so frivolously and with such lightness of heart. It's almost like saying goodbye. You ever notice some folks who get in the habit of saying, We'll see you later. Bye-bye. Pray for us. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we say it so frivolously as if it was just saying farewell, off the scene, goodbye, ciao, whatever it is that people say. But pray for us matters. Pray for us. I sincerely need the prayers of the saints. God is pleased with a prayer for a good conscience. Brother John, I need this. I need for God to help me. I need for you to pray for me to have a good conscience. Pray that we might do our best. Pray that we might not slack in our service. Pray that we have no need to be ashamed before the Lord. Pray that our service would be without hypocrisy. He said pray for us. Pray for us so we might have a good conscience. From the previous verse, He's looking out for their souls. But He's saying if I'm going to look out for your soul, I've got to have my own front door set. Cleaned out from around it. And I gotta serve God with a clear conscience. And I need you to pray for me that I might be able to watch out for your soul. You want me to be a good pastor? I need your prayer life. I need your help this morning. Amen. Pray for a good conscience. God is pleased when we pray for an honest life. Look at what He says here. He said, pray fast for we trust we have a good conscience. In all things, willing to live honestly. Pray that we may be the same thing in private that we are in public. Pray for us to grow in sincerity. You see me down there at the Home Depot, you may find me in my overalls, ball hat, and I may have blue glue scattered all the way around all over me, but I pray you'd find the same Christian man as you'd find in a suit and tie in the pulpit. Oh yes, that's exactly right. You may find me in the field, out there on a, sitting on a five-gallon bucket, I'm talking to those three black, white-faced heifers out there in my field, but I pray you'd find the same Christian man, I'm sitting on that bucket is what you'd find sitting on a church pew here. I don't want to live a life of hypocrisy. There is one thing in one place and one thing in another. Some of you travel with me when I preach other places. And I preach for other people. I preach for other churches. And I do not want to go in there, Brother John, and be any different preacher than what I am when I am here. And I try, try to make sure that I don't do that. And an honest life. I'm going to tell you, you need it too. One of the reasons why that I need to have a clean conscience and an honest life is to be an example to you. That you might do the same thing. God help us. God help us not to be the people that comes to church and sings hallelujah and goes home and says cuss words. God, help us not be the ones that comes to church and shakes people's hand, tells them that we love them, that we love them, and goes home and talks about them and runs them down and gossips about them. Amen. 
And listen, you'd want other people to think the best of you when other folks criticize you. And you'd want other folks to say, oh, I'm sure, I'm sure that they didn't mean it. I'm sure that they didn't mean nothing by it. I'm sure it was accident. I'm sure there's something you don't know about. Are we just going to give them the benefit of the doubt and pray for them? You'd want somebody else to say that about you. And so you ought to be the one that says that about somebody else. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Live a life of honesty. Brother John, not only, listen, not only am I going to love you at church, when I get home and ain't nobody around, I'm going to tell my family, I sure do love Brother John. He's blessed me. I love you. Amen. That's exactly right. Got home and told Sonia, she said, did you have any help? I said, we had more help than we needed. Had more help than we needed working up there. She said, well, who was helping? I said, well, Brother Bob was helping and, and Brother William and, and uh, TJ. And I said, then some others. And uh, so I didn't call Brother Eddie's name. He was, he was helping. He was running back and forth. He's the one paid for everything. Somebody had to pay the bill. Somebody had to run back and forth to Home Depot. And uh, somebody had to buy peace. Amen. And uh, we had to have help. I appreciate that. Listen, I didn't go home. I had to leave out here and talk ugly about this one or that one. I'm going to tell you, you don't know how much all of y'all get talked about in my house. But when we talk about you down in my house, it's not to say how sorry one is and how low down one is, but how thankful we are for you being in our lives. I mean, live an honest life like that. And listen, I don't talk ugly about you here, and I don't talk ugly about you at home. I talk good about you while I'm here, and I talk good about you while I'm at home. And if there's something I see that I don't like or that I think's wrong, I go home and I talk to the Lord about it and I ask God to help you and when it comes to anybody else I keep my mouth shut that's exactly right and you want a story to stop tell me about it it'll stop amen and part of that ain't because I'm so spiritual part of it is just because I am so forgetful I probably won't even remember it next week not ca- I don't care about the dirt this morning. You know what I care about? It's the souls of men. Amen. Amen. Would you pray for me this morning? Would you pray sincerely, Brother Randy? Would you pray for me? Amen. You boys and girls, look up this way. If you don't ever remember anything else I preach, please listen to me. Would you pray for me? I mean, sincerely, would you pray for me? I assure you I pray for you. Would you pray for me and my family? Across the pew, would you look at each other this morning? I mean, from one aisle to another, just look at each other. Would you pray for one another? Would you pray for them on the end of the pew from you? On the back and in the front? Would you pray for them? Did you know God would be so pleased with that? There ain't no telling what He'd do for us. Amen. That's exactly right. Hallelujah. I'm interested this morning in a sacrifice that pleases God. Anybody know what I'm preaching about? Yes, Pray for us. Sacrifice. Praise and preaching. Pattern and prayer. I'm finishing up this morning. Come on with a song of invitation. People around the world this morning, listen to me, have walked on hot coals. They flogged themselves mercilessly, given away fortunes and hosts of other extreme things trying to please God and fallen short, failed miserably. Yet this morning in our few verses, God tells us about these sacrifices that please God. Will you continue in your own route like Cain and be refused of the Lord? Or will you accept that serving God is much simpler than what you realize? But it must be done in honesty and sincerity. Would you come today and bow before God and ask Him to strip out of you every shred of dishonesty? Every ounce of hypocrisy? Every piece of pretense? every sliver of a showmanship and say, God, I want to be honest and clean before you. And I want to please you. Ask Him to put in you a sincere heart to please Him. Ephesians 6 and 24, 
Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Everybody stand. I've preached what God's put on my heart. I stood up this morning hoping to finish quickly, but by the time God started working on me, I don't care what time it is. If I'm going to please God right now, I've got to be sincere, and sincerely, I do not care what time it is. What I care about somebody getting right with God. Somebody getting help from God. Somebody coming clean before God. Some sinner getting saved. Some saved person surrendering to serve the Lord. I care about a church that will pray for one another. I just want you to be obedient to the Lord. Sing for us when you're ready. Sacrifices that please God. The Lord will honor your sacrifice if you give the kind that pleases Him. If you need to pray, would you come? Would you be obedient to the Lord? Tanya's going to sing a little more of that. I appreciate that song. I tell you what I want us to do this morning. Don't run about now. It's a good time for running about laughing and shaking hands and enjoying one another. I tell you what I want us to do this morning. With all sincerity, I want you to find somebody while she sings and just say one thing to them in all honesty. Pray for us. Would you pray for us? Find somebody you have confidence in this building in this morning that you know will do it. Maybe it's your mom and your dad. Maybe it's your neighbor that sits on the pew with you. Maybe it's somebody that's a Sunday school teacher. Maybe it's just a good brother and sister in this church. Somebody that you believe will pray for you. You tell them, pray for us. There's somebody in here that you're 
genuinely and sincerely the Lord's put on your heart to pray for them, I want you to then go to them and say, I'm praying for you. Find at least one person and ask them pray for us sincerely. And find at least one person that the Lord let you have on your heart and let them know, I'm praying for you. And she's going to say another verse of that. You'll be obedient to the Lord now. That's what God put on my heart. That's what I want to do. What a friend we have in Jesus 341. <laughs> Let's sing. Grab your hymn if you need to. 
preaching time's finished. Amazing how the, we think when we, we know when preaching time's supposed to be done. But I'm going to tell you, preaching time sometimes is not always the time frame we expect. But if God sends the preaching, we better not forget about it and get in on it. Thank God. You know what, Brother John, really? Tonight in the meeting, we're going to come back 6 o'clock tonight. And tonight in the meeting, now, always got a little something prepared that I could preach. But tonight in the meeting, it'd be something after this, this morning, this exhortation. It'd be something if there's a need to preach tonight, wouldn't it? I mean, it'd be something else. What would really be amazing is if we'd just come offer some sacrifices that the Lord's pleased with. Some praising and some praying and showing that pattern of yielding to God, praying for one another. Just come to church to go to church. Amen. Wouldn't that be wonderful? So pray about the meeting.